admittedly, I really didn't find a lot of uh, like behind the scenes <laughs> stuff. What? I'm sorry. I, I like. I, I'm so sorry to throw off your groove, but it would be so funny if you're like. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't even breathe. I'm laughing so hard. It would be really funny if you were like. Admittedly, I didn't really find anything, and <laughs> you passed it back to me. <laughs> One of these days I might. <laughs> hey there, I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now, we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is Take Three, a movie podcast. Season three, bitch. We made it. How was your summer? It was okay. Um, it's not been fantastic worrying about the future of our nation and our world and the health of the people around me and all that stuff. So yeah, it's not been the greatest of summers. 2020 in general hasn't been spectacular, but we're still here and we are uh, still bringing you the movie commentary that I know that you guys all love and were waiting for. How about you? How was your summer? My summer was pretty much the same. Are you feeling good? Are you ready to get back in the groove? Podcast-wise, yes. Uh, real life-wise, also yes. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like 2020 altogether has just had it out for us. We've lost a lot of people. I mean, I think the the most recent one that has really, really hit hard is Chadwick Boseman. Oh, yeah. This man is like an absolute legend with the movies that he's had. And when you find out that the majority of the movies that he made, he made with colon cancer. Like, Did anyone... No. Who knew? No, no one like knew people that? Are, so many people are coming out and being like, no, I had no idea. I mean, Ryan Coogler, who directed Black Panther, didn't know. Um, Spike Lee, who directed The Five Bloods, had no idea. I'm happy that he got to be able to do it his way, that it wasn't like revealed, you know what I mean, and then he died or whatever. Like if he didn't want anybody to know, no one knew. Mm -hmm. He had an incredible career, and it's crazy to think that it's over it is at least good that we have these movies and that he'll be able to live on through them absolutely you know it's sad to think about you know how many kids looked up to this man but i think he's left behind a legacy that is nothing short of phenomenal and amazing and there's no doubt how talented he was so uh he, he will certainly be missed for sure definitely and I mean, it's weird to transition from that to do a movie. Oh, shit. Never mind. Hold on. More important thing. Not more important than Chadwick Boseman, but certainly more important than this movie. Grace Randolph, who is the individual behind Beyond the Trailer online. If you don't know who that is, you need to just look up Beyond the Trailer. She has a YouTube channel. She's an entertainment journalist. And she makes videos all the time, and she's just absolutely incredible. I have been a fan of her since I was in, I think, like 10th grade, <laughs> and <laughs> I am uh, 20, <laughs> so it's it's been like 12 years, kind of, and uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of her, and she followed me on Twitter today, bitches, so I'm moving on up. I'm just concerned about where she gets her sources. Like, can she even be trusted? Is she like a journalist? Or, oh my or God. This, I don't get it. So what happened was <laughs> what, what Jordan is remarking is that somebody was like questioning her and I shut that troll down. And I guess she was just like, all right, now you're in my friend group. <laughs> I, do, I really, it was just a joke. I really, I enjoy Grace. I don't think I watch her as religiously as you do. I no think one you probably does. tune in every single day yeah. to uh, to hear what she has to say. Yeah, but I think she's great. I think she's very insightful about you know the movies that she covers. Um, she's definitely worth checking out. I am like such a huge fan of hers. That's awesome. Congratulations. Okay, that was really important to me. So that's what happened to me this summer. <laughs> All right. So I literally forgot the name of the movie that we're doing. Allow me to explain. So everyone knows 
the girls over at We Explain Movies. If you don't just leave, we you're not welcome here. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, go check them out if you don't know who they are. They're at We Explain Movies, Kimmy, Kayleen, and Courtney. Last season, we covered two of the three recommendations that each of the girls provided to us. And one of them, unfortunately, didn't work out. So uh, we wanted to cover it. And it was Kayleen's suggestion for us to do Rigsby Bear. Rigsby Bear, y'all. I know you haven't heard of it. Don't worry. Neither <laughs> have I. <laughs> I know from hearing the excitement of the other two ladies after she mentioned Brigsby Bear uh, makes me excited for this movie. I saw that it got uh, very high ratings, both from critics and audiences. But Nick has not watched a trailer. I've watched half of one trailer, and I think both of us are equally in the dark. <laughs> um, yeah. I have no idea what this is about. I thought it would be cool to kind of not know. So I wanted some idea because I feel like that's kind of what take one is, is us talking about like, like there is no take one if we have nothing. I was just going to talk about how Grace followed me on Twitter. <laughs> no, I honestly, I figured my, my stance on this movie would be like, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> and if this movie sucks, Kayleen, I'm coming after you. <laughs> No, I'm sure it's great. I don't think it will. I do know a couple people that are in the cast. So she sent us a trailer that apparently was free of any spoilers. Uh, and Nick said that he wanted to go in completely blind. So I was like, okay, I'll compromise. And I watched half of the trailer that she sent us. And I'm still lost. I don't really I don't really know. I, I have no idea what this is. I have zero idea what so this is. So are there bears in this movie? Did you see there any is, bears? There is a bear, yes. Okay. And it seems like it's... See, I don't want to tell you if you want to go in blind. I don't I don't know if this is something that you want to talk about. Okay, I just needed to know that there was a bear in it. There is a bear, yes. Got it. Cool. So, guys, I know that you've never heard of this movie, but this could be a cool experience for us all to go in blind. Do you have any predictions? Maybe that's what we can fill up this take one with. Um, I predict that Brigsby Bear is British, because the word Brigsby <laughs> just makes me think that it's like from the UK. This isn't Paddington. Don't think Paddington. I think it's very much removed from. No, I think he's. I think he's also a serial killer, but it's funny. It's not scary. Someone said more of a coming of age story. So, okay. So this bear is coming of age. He's a, he starts as a little bear and he comes of age into a big bear and then he starts killing people. And then this little this little blonde bitch like invades his house and messes with his family. That was a stupid joke. Never mind. What? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I was like, what are no. you talking about? <laughs> this little blonde bitch. That's great. I don't even remember how. Do they eat her at the end? Take two. That was dope as shit. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed that. All anyone would have needed to say is that it's about someone who makes a movie. And I'd have been so in. <laughs> Because I love <laughs> movies about making movies. This is this is Nick's dream. Yeah. Great pick, ladies. And I'm really glad that we did this for our first movie back. It was sort <laughs> of like, well, what movie should we do? And you were like, oh, let's do Brigsby Bear. And I was like, well, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's the one that Kayleen suggested. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> Uh, and I, I was going to be like, I will call Kayleen and be like, what the hell? But I don't have to. Yeah, five seconds into the movie, when they show like the short scene of Brigsby Bear, of one of the episodes of Brigsby Bear, you're like, I don't know about this. I, I just like, said I'm worried. Just, and he yeah. took it as like, oh, can you be please be optimistic? Can you please have some faith? I'm like, I just said I'm worried because uh, it looks like a... 80s or 90s television show that was ripped off of a VHS player, which it was. So, which it was, but it was like five seconds into the movie, you knew nothing. I think it was just a little bit too early to judge, and it just seemed like you were putting a lot of emotion out there that just wasn't warranted yet. And I was just like, give it a chance. That is like, give it some time to establish itself. No, he didn't say that. He's like, can you just be positive, please? Honestly, honestly, expressing my opinion. Don't do that again. <laughs> However, everything after that was, oh my God, I love this movie. This is yeah. genius. First off, like at the beginning, 
when you start to realize like something's not on the up and up. There's why is he like in a child's bedroom? Clearly they're in a bunker. The animals that he's referencing outside are not real. I'm like, this is this is feeling very like Kimmy Schmidt kind of. <laughs> and I, I was like, something's up. <laughs> Once you got out into like the family, I was a little iffy on the parents pretty much the entire way through until the very end. No, even till the end, I was like, I hate both of you. Stop. I was so glad that all of his friends that were the school age other than like his sister, they were all consistently nice to him. Yeah. Nobody was really mean or outwardly vicious in this movie at all. I just liked that. I I didn't need like some overwhelming conflict in this movie, you know? I was sort of yeah. hoping there wouldn't wind up being one. I was like, can everything just go right? And it kind of <laughs> did for the most part. Like even when he yeah. even when he got put in the hospital or whatever, I mean, Andy Samberg shows up and it's like, okay, let's break out. This is perfect. <laughs> there were some things that I was a little bit iffy about. I think the pacing of some things were a little bit strange to me. Like I really don't understand why the dad was like so hardcore about like he's dangerous to himself and we got to put him away and this kind of thing. And then like – Suddenly he's in the hospital and then he breaks out of the hospital and the dad's like, oh my God, son, I love you. This is great. And I was just like, I don't like, fuck you, dude. I don't. <laughs> what I've noticed is I think that there were a, a decent amount of, of time jumps throughout this movie, even if it was like just months that were happening because like they, they finished the movie in a time jump. Like I think he was at that hospital a little bit longer than it seemed. That's why I want to rewatch it. I want to kind of get. Like now that I know the story, I feel like I can be more comfortable with the things that happen and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I what this reminded me of, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but it was uh, it reminded me of Edge of 17. I think that's what it's called. The one with um, who is the girl in that grit movie? Haley Steinfeld. Her. I love True her. grit. Yeah. True grit. Yeah. No. So I've not seen Edge of 17. I have not. But I've I really like ever since it came out, I wanted to. It's really good. Uh, I remember really enjoying it. I think her character was great, but there are a lot of parallels between these two movies. Um, and it, uh, you even mentioned this when we were watching it. You're like, it's it's a coming of age movie about a man that's already grown. <laughs> like he's he's already of age, and I think that aspect is really interesting too. It's it's sort of like because in the beginning, I I legitimately thought that this was going to be like a. Um, like a post-apocalyptic kind of thing. Like there's this dad who's, you know, trying to make things as good as possible for his son. Uh, but they're in this world where they can't breathe the air. And then suddenly everything is just like flipped upside down. And that was really, really interesting. Like I, I, I love these kinds of movies. It also reminded me of like away we go. And it's sort of like these small independent films that are like really genuine and really sweet. That's what was important to me. It felt very personal. Yeah. Okay. What things were you iffy about? I don't, I like, I feel like, I think this is nothing to do with the movie. I think it's just a product of the year that we've had. Seeing like cops being so involved in this movie is just a little bit jarring, but like that's not the movie's fault, obviously. When James lights off the firework and yeah. his friend it was a Spencer, Spence? Uh yeah, I think yeah. it's Spencer. The different way that each of them reacted. Yes. And you were like, oh, he can't do that because like, you know, sure, you're running at them, you're white and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like thinking, okay, this movie's probably not going to touch on that. This doesn't seem like it would take that serious of a turn, but like, yeah, that is something that's gonna probably be in our generation's head forever. Yeah. How aware we are of these things, yes, that's going to come into play in every piece of entertainment we watch probably for the rest of our lives. I agree. I agree. And I think – I don't think it's anything – I don't want to spoil anything, but it's – This it's, is a it spoiler is, podcast. No, no, about a different movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it was actually a movie that the girls covered recently. There was like – it was a movie that was made a couple of years ago. It had a scene in it that reflected cops' relationships with black people. And it's like, it's not a new problem. Uh, even though thing, it has kind of blown up on social media right now, this is nothing new. It's something that's been experienced for years and years and years. Again, that's not the movie's fault. But like you were saying, it was James was like, no, no, it's okay. They're fine. Like, I I got this. I'll just talk to him. I was like, well, yeah, not <laughs> your fucking way. Yeah. Like, it does, it's not the same for a black person. It sort of had like a double meaning because like, 
you know, he's white, so yes, he statistically will have an easier time with the cops. But like, this guy has no idea. He has, yeah, about, he has no frame of reference. Yeah. It's yeah, and again, not the movie's fault. It's just I think it is a product of our time. Um, they just kind of annoyed me. Greg, I think his name is Greg Kinnear. Greg um, Kinnear. Absolutely. His character yeah. was very sweet. Um, absolutely loved him, and it'd be great if all cops were like that. But um, not to turn this into anything like political. That was I, that was just something that kind of rubbed me a little bit strange i guess being in the times that we are right now so okay i just want to say one thing it really is sad that stating those kinds of things seems political like that yeah right that that it's a political issue no it's just like a human rights issue Mm -hmm. like it's just a a human issue that's i don't know like i i've been told like oh i don't want to get into a political conversation well like this i'm not talking about politics like (laughs) this is not politics Okay, I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. Continue. I apologize. <laughs> okay, talk about the remote thing. <laughs> oh my god, it was. It's a trope that I absolutely hate. I hate all tropes, for the record. If that wasn't clear already, I hate every single one of them. But the one where he's flipping through the channels and he lands on the news channel that's doing his story, like that's an excusable trope. Like I get it, I understand. But fumbling with the remote so bad that you accidentally turn the TV up to full volume and you don't know how to change it is kind of unforgivable. I was like, this dad, I, I think it's I think it's the dad that I just hate. I really fucking hate that dad. It could have so easily been fixed too because they established that James does not know how to use a remote. Even if he had a remote in the bunker, it certainly wasn't as complex as this one is. Maybe he could have been fumbling with the remote and not known how yeah. to use it. Like even that would have been more believable. But these <laughs> two people who like clearly were trying to explain to him how to use it suddenly forgot. Suddenly like, just just poof gone. But I think I think it doesn't help that that actor was in the show Veep which yeah. I love. I love that show so much, but the character that he plays in Veep is just like a constant dumbass. Like yeah. he clear like there's not a single moment where he is like doing his job correctly. He's so dumb in every way. And I think I just kind of hated him right off the bat, so maybe I'm a little bit biased, but that was just like a moment in the in the movie that I was like, "Come on, guys. Like you're better than this." But I do I think it was a really charming movie. I really did enjoy that movie. And I can't wait to watch it again, and I can't wait to research some of this. I think there's a lot of, like, morality stuff here and a lot of sort of ethical stuff, um, kind of dealing with someone who really wasn't exposed to the quote-unquote normal world and normal routines and stuff and how to, like, navigate that I think is, you know – I I don't think that they did it correctly in the movie. Like, I think the the key was to just kind of – let him adjust. I think there was a lot. I don't know. I, this, but this I think that's the conflict. Me. That's where the conflict yeah, lies exactly. is that nobody knows how to, to deal with that situation. But I think this movie, it's funny, it, it, you know, this movie really solidified to me what kind of movie it was towards the end where he actually goes in and, uh, to discuss with Ted, uh, Mark Hamill's character. Yeah. And, you think that we're going to get this exposition about why or how, and maybe we'll get some answers for him, and maybe that's going to help him be able to adjust. And seeing him just be like, actually, no, I just needed your voice for the movie. <laughs> the, the like the moral issues that you're talking about and stuff like that. Like while we're going to talk about them, I think this movie sort of was just like that's not what we're focusing on right now. But yeah, we definitely should still bring them up because we have to, you know, we have to talk about something. (laughs) Good pick, Kayleen. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I don't know how many times I've said this, but I really was going to call you and be like, what the fuck? (laughs) It's so sad that Kyle Mooney's like the only SNL um, cast member that I can never remember his name. (laughs) Well, you'll never forget now. I will never forget now. Also, what I love about this movie were those like tiny, tiny little one-liners that can only come from someone who has been in a bunker their whole life. When he types in "thank you" in the search bar and like, uh, "how do I learn cool moves? I want to learn them." Like, so genius, so beautiful. And the part where uh, when he's first meeting Spence, and he's like, he says, "My parents stole me when I was a baby, but I still think they're pretty cool." <laughs> it's it, it's a it's weird because it's like making light of child abduction, but 
I don't know. Like, it's so innocent. I can't imagine many people getting offended by any of this kind of shit. I mean, it is, it's very much like Kimmy Schmidt. It's, it's, you know, having the mentality, he's stunted. The only thing he has to go off of is what he's learned in that bunker, which is not a lot. So it's like him trying to navigate this world and trying to understand it the best way he can. Yeah. And there's comedy in that, and there's also comedy in maybe not taking some of these situations too seriously. So, yeah, like, I I get that. I'm totally, uh, like, head over heels for this movie. Head over heels for this movie. Heels. <laughs> head over heels. I don't fucking know. <laughs> the heels are alive. But my head, yeah, my head is over hills. Um, <laughs> I am totally into this movie. I'm really, really glad we watched it. Um, yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, I really hope that you all liked it as well because I know you all stopped and watched this with us. <laughs> I hope you did. I wonder how many people actually do that. I wonder how many people are are I wonder how many of our millions of fans and followers that we have. Yeah. All 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 Okay, let's be Okay, we can be honest or whatever. All 4 million of you. <laughs> yeah, like if you do that, please reach out to us. Because, like, okay, we do a lot of movies where I feel like people have seen them before. We don't do... To do, like, smaller, lesser-known movies like this is strange for us, yeah? Not strange, just uncommon, I guess. Totally. I don't know why this movie's obscure, because it's really freaking good and has a ton of celebrities in it so that's how i feel about away we, that's exactly how i feel about away we go it's really good and it's got a lot of celebrities in it <laughs> why don't we do away we go i would love that please Bitch, how many how many times have we sat down and been like let's plot out our season and how many times is <sighs> away we go well Come here's on. the thing here's the tricky part is because at the beginning of our seasons which typically start at like now which is like beginning of september we have like september to go through and then there's halloween that we have to go through so we got to pick stuff for that and there's like maybe some wiggle room with november but then it goes right into christmas so like the the tail end of our season planning has a lot of very specific movies that need to go in very specific spots yeah however there are also a ton of movies that I want to do and it would just become a, my favorite movie podcast. If that were to happen, I promise you that we could just do all of your favorite. Like why not? Why the (laughs) hell not? Okay. Also one last thing I just want to talk about is the end scene where he can't sit there and watch his own movie. (laughs) Oh my God. Like I totally, I was like, wow, I totally get that. It would have been completely unrealistic for him to have just gone in there and sat down with his friend and had a good time. I have to get (laughs) so drunk to watch anything I do. I also thought it was really, really cute that like, he saw Brigsby Bear in the theater and I was like, hold up. He, there's no way that he broke Mark Hamill out of jail for this. <laughs> and then he kind of like transported away. And I was like, Oh, I get it now. Like yeah. that was really, so like, and what a great touch. And now it's gone. Like now he yeah. can sort of, you know, live a normal life and, and sort of get, get that closure. Like you said, mm-hmm. it was so cute. I loved it. What a, quirky interesting way to deal with something like that like to tell a story like this that involves all of those things and again to just not really focus too heavily on any of them but still address them to a point that like now we're talking about them and we will continue to talk about them i was very impressed with this film not only from a story standpoint but from an acting standpoint and like the sheer caliber of celebrity that they got again i was like wow this is actually like to have never heard of this movie uh, i know a lot of these people so yeah thank you kayleen again I'm looking forward to to watching it again and doing research and all that kind of shit. Same. It's dope as shit. Take three. So back when I was in high school, I used to follow a lot of like daily vloggers. There was like a group of people who were like all friends and every single one of them vlogged every day of their lives. There was one vlogger. His name was Kasim G and he was a lot more prevalent back in the day like 2000 like early 2010s um back in the day back in the day 
back when I was in high school. Um, and he did a video that was really, really funny. And I'll link it in the description. I thought it was hysterical and I still think it's hysterical. I watched it again, maybe like a year ago. And I realized that both Kyle Mooney and Beck Bennett were in it. And I didn't realize it back then because like they weren't on SNL. I didn't know who these people were, but I was like, holy shit, I know them now. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I think it's it's really funny because it's like Kyle Mooney, he started by doing Internet videos and he did it with like his best friends that he's had since eighth grade. He did yeah. it with Beck Bennett that he's known for a while. And now they're both on SNL. Um, this video is so far. I like you just showed it to me. I had never <laughs> seen it before. I was like, re- I was cackling, laughing. It was so it's, funny. It's so dumb, but it it's really, like, but it, it's funny. <laughs> it is funny. And I remember like, cause I used this music for like, I stole some music from it and, uh, used it for like high school video projects and stuff. So it was funny when it came back up again. So you're admitting like, oh. to stealing copyrighted music. Okay, cool. Well, awesome. stole it as in like, I don't do that. Don't do that. I'm just letting y'all know. And I had no idea. Yeah. I was yeah. not privy to this information. Uh, FBI agents come get him. I'm curious. How do you get your music for your videos? Uh, I create it. I'm a musician. Yeah, right. Cool. I didn't, okay, I say steal, but like I heard the music in the video. I said, oh, I like that. And I went and found it. It was for a school video that maybe 20 people saw and then never resurfaced again. If that's a crime, then. So all 20 of you are going to rot in jail. Cool. I didn't like most of those people anyway. So So, (laughs) I wrote this and I thought I was really clever, but this is stupid. I was like, if you're not familiar with who Kyle Mooney is, he's been a cast member on the popular NBC variety show called Saturday Night Live since 2013. What's that? You still don't recognize his name? I'm right there with you because, like, legit (laughs) did not know who this guy was. And I do – I mean, like, I don't watch SNL all the time, but, like, a lot of it comes on on YouTube and I'm obsessed with Kenan Thompson. Like, everything he does I'm a really big fan of. So he's been on there for, like, as long as I've been alive. So, And also Kyle Mooney is – admittedly, before this movie, he was never really one of my favorite SNL actors because, to me, he always – played the same character he's always very like like he sways and he shrugs a lot and that's just sort of like what he plays every character as but i think that's perfect for this movie he's kind of like that like like sweepy kind of uh just (laughs) like kind of bopping around the stage kind of thing it just it works so (laughs) i love your description of him that's really funny it's it's true that like if you watch his clips on saturday night live i've got to now go watch some kyle mooney clips but i feel like he's typically not like leading the the sketch right no, he's yeah. a, no, no he's a background kind of guy i if you guys don't know who he is i understand <laughs> um but kyle mooney and his childhood friend kevin costello wrote this movie and it was actually inspired by memories of them making movies together when they were kids which i thought was really awesome and dave mccary who Uh, was their other childhood friend actually directed the film. So obviously Kyle Mooney's on SNL, uh, but he, Dave McCary, is currently a segment director on SNL. And before that, he formed a sketch comedy group called Good Neighbor, which is the people that made that video. And Kyle Mooney and Beck Bennett were both members of it. Yes, yes. And that's like, that's where he got his start. Um, I watched a few of the videos. They're kind of like, I don't want to say frat boy humor, but it's, it's, You'll know when you see it, but uh, <laughs> the also the the guy in Brigsby Bear who came up to Kyle Mooney's character James, who came up to him and asked for the autograph. Uh huh. He's a part of that YouTube group as well. He's like that curly haired, bearded guy. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, gotcha. Cool, cool, cool. Fun fact. Fun fact. It was fun. I'm glad you said that because that's very. It was fun. I had a blast. Cool. Uh, so, so stupid. <laughs> this film was shot. You know, you notice I'm not talking about the money yet because I'm building to it. It's season three, bitch. Anything can happen. <laughs> I'm building up to it. Okay. This film was actually shot in uh, in the group's off season from SNL uh, hmm. in Salt Lake City, Utah. 
And when yes. it was accepted to Sundance, McCary apparently had to pull double duty working not only on SNL, but trying to edit the film for its premiere. So three days after its premiere, Sony Picture Classics wanted to buy it. And uh, when the guy sat down with the executives, they only had one real stipulation, and it was that no one know anything past the first 15 minutes of this film. And they agreed, even though it was a big risk, but like, which you can see, because I believe, I don't remember exactly where she sent the link, but I believe that I was able to find the trailer that Kayleen sent us Mm -hmm. that like avoided spoilers. And it truly doesn't show you anything outside of, you know, them being in the bunker. I told you. Yeah. It was like, it's like a montage of clips and like, that was it. There was no like dialogue or anything yeah so i think now i realize that i could have watched the trailer but i'm still even glad i didn't just because i went in completely fresh and i didn't even know mark hamill was in it or any of the cast so because you know what's funny is that like when you you watch the trailer and it really doesn't show anybody outside of the bunker but at the end it still says like claire danes greg kinnear like it still gives you that cast list and i'm like where are these people but um there are subsequent trailers that do show you more but okay let's continue sony picture classics bought this film for five million dollars which leads me to believe that this non-disclosed budget, because they won't tell anybody the budget, was decently less than that, you know, if they were willing to sell it for $5 million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it made $681,000 worldwide. Oh, no. <laughs> See, I was building to it because it's a bombshell. Yeah, oh, so no. maybe not the best investment by SPC, but still a fantastic movie. <laughs> It's interesting you say that, though, because I I research a lot of my stuff on Reddit. I feel like there are a lot of really deep conversations that are brought up in Reddit and a lot of like conspiracy theories and connections that are made that like typical articles wouldn't really care to dive into. And it was really well received overall. I really didn't see a ton of like negativity towards this movie. So maybe like I'm assuming it just didn't like people just didn't know about it, which I didn't until Kayleen brought it up. So totally. But I can understand how a movie with the intent of trying to keep as much of itself hidden from yeah. the public maybe didn't spark an uproar um, when it came to its publicity. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I still believe it should have made more money with that kind of cast. I don't know how much money Sony Picture Classics put behind it uh, when it came to promoting it and all that kind of stuff. They don't really give that information out, but it probably wasn't a lot. And if it was a lot, it was a bad decision. So (laughs) I I guess I just have like a question for you. Like, should more movies do this kind of thing, even though using this as an example seems to be counterintuitive as it's probably why we never heard of it and why it made so little money. I am always pro taking risks. And I, I really, I understand why Hollywood is the way it is, but I really hate that the movie business is very much a business and is so heavily centered around money that like risks like this can't be taken. It is a shame. It is a shame. But like, I mean, I can't even imagine having $681,000, much less $5 million. So like, I mean, I can imagine those. I'm going to manifest that shit, but I don't have either <laughs> of those two right now. Yes, like it is a huge risk and it's it's a weird, quirky film and I understand it taking a risk, but like I don't really think it paid off. I think people who are really not wanting to know anything could have just gone in without seeing a trailer. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the problem was also advertising because, again, it was very well received. I think even on um, Rotten Tomatoes. and Yeah, so it's got an 82 on Rotten Tomatoes. I just think maybe it was an advertising thing. Like if more people knew about this movie, maybe the word could have been spread a little bit more. Yeah. Um, please, please reach out to us if you guys saw or heard of this. I'm pretty aware of movies that come out typically. Um, pretty much all the YouTube that I watch is movie commentary and movie punditry. I was talking about Grace earlier, Grace Randolph. Like her channel mm-hmm. is all about that kind of stuff. I just feel like I would have heard this. Maybe I did and maybe it just didn't register in my head. I'm not sure. But enough about the fact that we completely missed this movie. Um, <laughs> so following the world premiere at Sundance in 2017 the cast were actually asked what attracted them to this film mark hamill 
uh, said, you know, he liked the script and it was an original story, but he joked, and I thought this was really funny. He's like, I actually had lines, you know, that's always a bonus for me. <laughs> that joke out of context doesn't really make a ton of sense or it doesn't seem as funny as it is because do you know what movie he had sort of just been in, just appeared in and had no lines in? No. Force Awakens. He didn't have any lines in Force Awakens? No, he like pops up at the very end and doesn't say anything. Damn. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Yeah, watch that one and then the eighth one and then don't watch the ninth one. Sorry, guys. Okay. Okay, but like if we're going to talk about Mark Hamill, like... Okay, it was a joke. It was a joke. Like, what? <laughs> that's stupid. <laughs> what, what What was a joke? What do you mean? I'm sure he still got royalties for that movie. Oh, of course. No, he was, yeah, he was joking. He's like, that's a, that's great that, you know, that's, I have, yeah. I have lines. It's a bonus for me. Like, I had to like calm myself down because I was like, if that's a true complaint and you've been in like, what, some of the biggest movies that have ever existed and you're one of the biggest characters and well-known characters, like... Shut the fuck up, Mark Hamill, but it was a joke. Was, oh, wow, yeah, I'm going to have to edit that out. <laughs> Not because you cursed, but because you cursed at Mark Hamill. No, but I'm Don't saying, that. like, I'm saying, like, it was, I understand that it's a joke and that he wasn't genuinely genuinely complaining. All right, you was, bring, uh, you, you talk about something that you researched because I'm worried that we're going to get attacked by Mark Hamill stands. Okay. No, I love Mark Hamill for the record. Um, we pledge allegiance I, to Mark Hamill. To Mark Hamill. <laughs> uh, admittedly, I really didn't find a lot of uh, like behind the scenes <laughs> stuff. What? I'm sorry. I, I like. I, I'm so sorry to throw off your groove, but it would be so funny if you. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't even breathe. I'm laughing so hard. It would be really funny if you were like. Admittedly, I didn't really find anything, and then you passed it back to me. <laughs> One of these days, I might. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm turning like blood red. That made me laugh so hard. That would be really fucking funny. <laughs> I know. Damn, had I known, I would. I could have just like not done any research. Right? I could have had like, ugh. You're like, enjoyed. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Um, actually I don't have anything. So, um, back to you, Nicholas. No, I did. I have a lot of, okay. So let me try this again. Admittedly, I didn't find a lot of research in the way that I typically do for take threes where there's, uh, a lot of like discussion about themes and connections and stuff. A, because this is a fairly new movie and B, because as we discussed, it's not a very well known movie. So not a lot of people are talking about it, but I did find a lot of stuff that I want to discuss that I think are interesting. One of the first things was the setting of this movie. There's a video that I watched that kind of discusses high school movies nowadays. I appreciate that this movie in particular had an abundance of young characters that didn't go the direction that normal TV or normal movies do with high school students. Uh, where it's sort of like the focus is on the misfits and they're trying to either fit in with a popular crowd or like defend themselves against it. I feel like that is really aggressively overused and I didn't really, I didn't really think that until, you know, this discussion came up and like, I like that because it's, it's, it seems like it's always about defending against the popular, cool, mean bullies And it's refreshing, I think, to find a setting where that's not the case, where it's really just, you know, a bunch of teenagers trying to encourage each other and lift people up and stuff like that. Yeah, it goes back to our mentioning that there's not like a huge conflict in this film. Right, right. uh, That these characters are just sort of like existing and that's actually preferable in this sort of situation because like the vast majority of high school kids aren't like having to stand up to i mean like yes bullying is a real thing and it's like a huge big deal but like a lot of people just sort of go through uh high school not having to deal with any of this like crazy drama yeah totally i totally get it there is a brief moment where he's you know uh, james is kind of like 
just kind of moping around and he comes across people who are like looking at him funny and they're like laughing at him and not really paying him any attention. But then Spencer comes in. Yeah. And then Spencer comes in. He's like, just ignore those guys, like hang out with us, which is great. And I think that's awesome. And I think more movies should do that because I don't like, I would assume that that would encourage kids to be nicer and more, you know, understanding and accepting. Do I think that this movie has the same reach as say like super bad? No, but I do respect it for like standing out and not following that sort of cliche because it absolutely had the formula to go towards that direction where you have this like super weird misfit and like who has, you know, the potential to really stand out and really be affected negatively and they didn't really go that direction. And I think that is great. So even the sister pretty quickly comes around. Like she, she sort of like is argumentative and then it's like, no, she sort of warms up to him because her friends are and she didn't. Yes, she was like, hey, we're going to I'm going to go to this football game. And then in the car, she's like, OK, this isn't a football game. This is a party. But she doesn't like drop him off in front of like a cake or any nuts or anything and go smoke pot with his friends. You oh, know? my God. <laughs> Can like, you imagine <laughs> if that movie had turned into hereditary? <laughs> Although Hereditary didn't even exist at this point, so that would have been a weird thing to experience. Suddenly we see that Hereditary got that idea from Brigsby Bear. That was a really, like... Stupid joke? Yeah, it was. Like, it it took a long time to get to it, and it wasn't worth it. I apologize. It's all um, good. We're still keeping it in. Cool. You can go now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I don't know that this was the intent of it, but I heard something recently that actually really impressed me. And I wonder if this maybe was the way that these filmmakers were going as well. Dan Levy, who is Eugene Levy or Dan Levy, maybe like Dan Levy sounds better, but Eugene Levy sounds better. So I don't know, but the the shit's Creek people. Yeah. Yeah. So Dan Levy, Dan Levy, whatever he, he had said that they didn't include like homophobia in the show because they didn't want to give it a voice. And I'm not seeing all of Shit's Creek or whatever, but I know that his character is gay or bi or, you know, at least at, at some point is with a man. I think Pan, actually, I think he there's like a huge wine metaphor about. <laughs> oh, OK. About him being pansexual. Yeah, that's wonderful. Awesome. And I will eventually get to that part. Um, it's a slow and steady, I'm like probably, I've probably seen like the majority of season one, just because a lot of people I know are obsessed with that show, just completely <laughs> out of order. But, um, okay. So I was wondering, like, maybe it was the sort of, that was that sort of mindset where, you know, we don't want to give bullying a voice. So nobody actively bullies James. What an int- I think that's such an interesting conflict because on one hand i can understand wanting to like like highlight it or maybe send a message about it but i also think that that gives way to people learning that behavior i mean this movie touches very lightly on a lot of subjects that it does not cover Mm -hmm. i don't really honestly think that that's necessarily a criticism because again i i have mentioned in the past i don't know that i've cut it out or not but like this movie kind of establishes that it's not that kind of movie you know, they can bring up these things and these bad things can happen or these, you know, these uh, topics can come up. But in the end, it's really just about James making his goddamn movie. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. I, that is a, like a really uh, interesting point to bring up. And I'm glad you did. 100%. And that was also a fun fact. I had a very good time with that as well. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't with you right now. Oh, okay. This is cool. Um, the guys from Good Neighbor and the guys from Lonely Island, who are Andy Samberg, Akiba Schaefer, and Jorma Tacone. Jorma Tacone? Jorma? I don't know. Became good friends and crossed paths like multiple times creatively in their early careers. Mm-hmm. They like worked on commercials and just like would direct an episode of TV and they would be on it. Like it, would, it was very interesting how it all came together. And um, Jorma Tacone which I'm just committed to, that's how I'm going to pronounce it, even said that Lonely Island admired them so much that they went to bat for them when it came time to recommend a replacement for them on SNL. Because Mm. essentially, when they left, they needed a new set of people, a new comedy troupe to make those kinds of videos. 
Yeah. And that's what Dave McCary does. Oh, I didn't also say, I'm I'm so surprised I didn't write this down. Dave McCary is engaged to Emma Stone. Oh, yeah. I, and I did see that too. Yeah. Like, he's got to be, like, that. that's awesome. He's got to be a really awesome person. <laughs> I hope he is. He's, like, handsome, but he's not, like, drafted, knockout, you know what I mean? And, like, <laughs> I think maybe it's just because I've seen her in a lot of movies with Ryan Gosling or just two that I'm a fan of. Maybe, <laughs> like, I see her with someone like that, but I'm sure he's just a lovely person. And that's what counts, the inside. Right? Yes, always. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and, okay, so and each of the Lonely Island members are credited as producers on this film, and obviously Andy Samberg's in it. And I think Yorma mm-hmm. Tacone actually has a cameo in the movie within a movie, like that hockey movie that they were watching at the movie. He's either in it or directed it. I don't remember, and I don't care enough to look. So <laughs> just go with that. We bring you the quality content here. <laughs> Absolutely. There was a lot of debate I saw online about whether or not James was sort of like intentionally constructed to be a character that has like autism or Asperger's. And while I agree that there are certain mannerisms that would sort of suggest those things, I think it's also understandable that someone who has been deprived of social interaction may not exactly know or understand, you know, how to navigate social interactions. I did watch an interview with Dave and Kyle And Dave was talking about sort of where he drew his inspirations for this movie and how he was drawn towards his own experiences growing up and making movies and films, as well as seeing like young filmmakers and YouTube filmmakers and sort of fell in love with these sort of like vulnerable misfits. And uh, he said he was very impressed with Kyle's ability to like make his character seem honest and not really mocking anything. And I completely agree. I think Kyle did a great job at that again, because that's just like really his character anyway. And I think at the end of the day, like the core message to this movie is like literally just to like mother your nature and like never shy away from your passions, regardless of how you are or are not able to navigate like the world that you live in. So like regardless of intentions, I don't think it matters. Like I think it should be something that anyone can be inspired by. And I think this even extends like past any kind of social disorders. I think this also covers age with Greg Kinnear's character. Uh, Cause you know, he found his passion again. He, you know, said he had that bit about being younger and wanting to pursue acting, but never got to. And now he was able to, and I think it even like extends to race as well to an extent. And I love that Spencer at the end really summed it all up when James was like, what if they all hate it? And he was like, dude, who fucking cares? Like you did this for you. That's all that matters. We did this for us. And I just thought that that was really perfect. Yeah. That's a lot. Like you make very good points. I'm very good at words. <laughs> After rewatching this, this was something that I found out or that I, I guess fell in love with upon watching it a second time. It's the scene in the diner when he met up with Whitney. I think her name is Whitney. That was on her name tag. I don't know if that was fake or not, but she's the one that played the actress that played the the twins in the Brigsby Bear show. He sits down with her and she's talking about like, she's like, I'm so sorry. Like that whole thing made me so sick to my stomach. And she seems so regretful and maybe even somewhat like responsible. And like, you can really, really feel her pain when she's talking to him. But he replies being like, why are you sorry? Brigsby's my life. And he even says, you were the only thing that made the world okay. Aww. So if we break up this movie into like the people who have relationships or emotions tied with James, we have the fake parents, we have the real parents, and we have Whitney. And I think like the fake parents were criminals. And while they may have like loved him and cared for him, they still stole a baby. And that's like, that's not very dope as shit. We have the real parents who I can't relate to at all. And they almost seem cartoonish. And I don't know if that's the movie's fault or the actor's fault, but I, I hate them and I can't feel compassion or sympathy towards them. Like maybe until the very end when they're supporting him. I don't know, like if we just weren't given enough insight to their grief, but the whole time I was just like, it almost felt like they were the antagonists. I just did not like them at all. They didn't feel like the OA parents where, you know what I mean? Like 
Yeah, with a missing child. It yeah. felt more realistic when 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 the OA comes back into their lives. Yeah, there's this relief. I was legitimately like in the back of my head waiting for another twist. Like maybe these people weren't really his parents just because they didn't seem very genuine at all. And again, I don't know if that's the movie's fault. I don't know if that's a direction fault. I don't know if that's the actor's fault, whatever. But then there's Whitney and there's someone who felt like you could see it when she was acting. She felt true remorse for her actions. And James was able to like bring her peace and leave her smiling. And she even came back to help him with the movie. And that just spoke volumes. That made me so happy when she was in the film. I think that scene is so unexpected in the way it's handled because you would almost expect her to just be like, I can't talk to you. Like I can't do this. And she's so open to a degree, like to be able to sit down and tell him about this and tell him uh, why and, Mm -hmm. and to apologize that I think that goes a long way for us liking her character. Also, I do think that the actress did a really good job. I don't know her name, um, but she's she's very good. Agreed. She was almost reminded me of like Dakota Johnson. Almost, they kind of look similar. Fuck. Um, I wish Dakota Johnson was in this movie. <laughs> well, no, because I liked I liked this one. I think she did a, a wonderful. Yeah, I job know, but like I love Dakota Johnson. They could have given I her too. like a special role. Can we also discuss? Like, I want to I want to have a discussion about Dakota this Johnson. With you. No, not well. We can discuss Dakota Johnson. That's fine. we can. We'll do that off air. I want to discuss the parents. I find it super interesting that we were given like two very charismatic and like caring and loving characters. And then we're immediately shifted to these like white bread pieces of shit. <laughs> I don't know. And I think that that's a little harsh. I think that they were just boring. Uh, Compared like, I to feel like Mark Hamill. Yeah, I yeah, I get it. Exactly. And like maybe that was a direction thing. Maybe we just didn't find the right actors. I don't know. But were we supposed to be rooting for Mark Hamill? Because I feel like I certainly was. And he was the only, okay, he was the only one throughout the whole movie that was rooting for James. And he, when he came to visit him in jail, he was like, only he, one James of his was parents. Him, say that again? Only one of his parents. You said the only yes, one true. throughout. Okay, yeah. Because only like, one he of has his friends that were rooting yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides his friends, we're only talking about parents right now. Okay. But James was telling him all this stuff. He's like, yeah, I'm in this math class and um, I'm doing all this cool stuff. And Mark Hamill's face is just like, he's like, James, that is fantastic. Like your mother and I would be so proud of you. Look how much you've grown. Oh my God, you made a movie that is so phenomenal. And it's, it's like, it's so tough because I can't sympathize with baby stealers. But I am almost forced to because he almost seems like the better alternative. Well, then there that's a that's an interesting character. I mean, <sighs> this is like sort of off topic a little bit, but I used to have a, a writing teacher in college that like didn't like Who stole babies? Yeah. No. And you loved her, right? <laughs> it was a guy. He didn't like the movie Pulp Fiction because he said that there were no redeemable characters. And I'm like, I love all of these characters. Like, I love them. I know they're terrible. Yeah. But, like, I feel like I was made to fall in love with them. And so while Mark Hamill is uh, has done something absolutely terrible and has got to be pretty fucked up in the mind to think that he could sustain something like that, you do wind up liking him probably a lot of the reasons because he's Luke goddamn Skywalker, but like yeah. <laughs> also because he's a really talented actor and he was, he was given good dialogue to work with in my opinion. Um, it's, it's tricky. Yeah. It is. It's tricky. ST to rock around to rock around. That's right on time. It's tricky. I don't know what the words are for that song, but I do know that that is a good song. The Run DMC song. Is it Run DMC? Yeah, it's Run DMC. It's do the rock around. I don't know the words, but do rock around us right on time. It's tricky. Tricky, tricky, tricky. I met this little girly. Her hair Her was kind of curly. curly. So here is something cool. Kyle Mooney actually collects VHS tapes, <laughs> which kind of echoes James's character in the movie, obviously. Yeah, um, but what I thought was most cool about it is the fact that he has gotten celebrities to sign his tapes because he works on SNL, 
And so he has a Beetlejuice signed by Michael Keaton and Alec Baldwin. Shut up. Isn't that awesome? Oh, that's so cool. Can you imagine being like, oh, yeah, we're working with Michael Keaton this week. Oh, I'll bring my VHS of Beetlejuice for him to sign. 100%. Yeah. That's really cool. What are they doing with SNL nowadays? Um, I I remember seeing uh, an episode that was like from home. And they Tom Hanks was on it. Tom Hanks hosted it, which was like a huge deal. That was like, huh. thank God Tom Hanks is still okay. But then I hear Brad Pitt was being uh, Dr. Fauci. <laughs> but I hadn't seen him actually do that. That's what, because I remember when that transition happened, I remember seeing a bunch of videos where like all of the staff were doing different videos like in their own homes. Yeah. But that was months and months and months ago and I haven't seen anything since. So I like a lot of these. Like, I, I think at face value, you would say like, Oh, maybe not like the strongest bunch of people, but I really like this um, cast of SNL characters. I always find that I like them like maybe three or four years into them being on the show yeah. or like, like I was never... after the fact you can appreciate it more. Yeah. You know? So I would say like my core love of SNL is like, uh, Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph, uh, Amy Poehler, that kind of generation. Yeah. And back then it was like Andy Samberg is now on it. And, um, Oh, who plays Stefan? Oh shit. He's in cloudy with the chance of meatballs too. What's his name? He's in it. Get your shit together. Hater. Hater, uh, uh, Bill Hader. Good job. Yes. Um, I like, I didn't like them at first, but now I obviously love them. So I think it, it's just going to take me a few years. And like 80 Bryant, I love her too now. And she, Yo, she was never a favorite back then, but shrill y'all you have, I think it's on Hulu. Yeah, shrill on Hulu. Hulu. Oh my gosh. That show's so good. I need to finish it. I, I'm only, I don't, I only have like two episodes left. Shrill is really good. It's funny. We've watched a funny. couple episodes together. You mm-hmm. liked it, right? Yeah, I did. I did indeed, but this is not this is not an SNL episode. I realize. I apologize. I just have a couple of fun facts. Rigsby Bear, according to an interview with Kyle, the name was sort of inspired by like '80s and '90s media. He claims that there were a lot of bears in the media in like the '80s and '90s. You have Yogi Bear, you have the Berenstein Bears, you have like Winnie the Pooh and Teddy Ruxpin, and he also really liked the alliterative names in like cartoons and tv shows like mickey mouse or donald duck or bugs bunny and that kind of thing so that's where he came up with rigsby bear i also just a short note i also love that this film is pretty much like an anthem to anyone with a passion and i think it's like watching this movie is the equivalent of going to like a convention where you just see this mass of people who are just so genuinely in love with like a character or a show or a movie or what have you. Mm-hmm. And they're like going to celebrate it with other people who are like them, who yeah, like it's, it's a place where people who maybe feel like misfits can feel accepted or just celebrate what they love. And that's really all that James was after in this movie. And it's cool. Cause you can kind of see it reflected in the movie. Cause like when James and Spencer first meet, uh, they have a con like the first things that they say to each other is a conversation about Star Trek and what's on his t-shirt and yeah. stuff. So that was like a cool little shout out that I loved. And it really just does give you that same like satisfied and just sort of overall good feeling of like love and acceptance. And um, it makes me miss conventions and I want them to be back. Totally. And that's all I have. So I guess I'll hang up now and then you just finish up. I feel like I'm talking to myself most of the time on this podcast, so you might as well. I haven't been listening this whole time, so that's I could probably just leave. Okay, so like this is my aim at wrapping this up in a way that is is meaningful to me. But this film reminded me a lot of the films that I used to go out and make with my friends when I was in high school and college. Mm -hmm. The camaraderie, the boldness, and the bravery to go out and just not be afraid to fail is something I truly miss about filmmaking for the fun of it like this movie could have been sold to me on nostalgia alone so i know you've heard all of these stories jordan but i figured i'd share (laughs) some for the listeners fine by me so most every friday night in ninth and tenth grade would consist of several of my friends coming over my house to hang out in some manner 
And I mean, it certainly continued through 11th and 12th grade, but I'm specifically talking about this time just because this is when we did these projects. We would play games, we would talk and watch movies, but much of our time was actually spent making our own ridiculous films. And I'm going to stop you right there because uh, I don't remember any of this and I wasn't invited to a single one of these. I just want you to know. Uh, we met when <laughs> I was 23. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm you are not that. a part of this particular one. That's okay. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Um, these films, they all seem to be like hyper violent. And the ones that come <laughs> to my mind that are like probably the funnest to talk about are this trilogy of films called The Last Slice. Oh my God. Now, the first one is this short film about like a lovely, peaceful couple that suddenly fight to the death over the last slice of pizza. And then the last slice part two is like a separate story about five friends at a birthday party who suddenly fight to death over what they believe to be the last piece of cake when there's so much cake left. But, um, <laughs> guys, guys, there's just like so much cake. Yeah. You guys, you just don't know how much cake is left. <laughs> there's I just thought that was really funny. Like at the end of the movie, I put like a, um, like a disclaimer or whatever. And it was like, um, police found that there were like three fourths of the cake left. And it was Y'all, like there stupid was, Americans. There was so much cake left. Fuck you. <laughs> it's just, no, cause I've seen, I think I've seen, you've seen all both of these of those. movies. I don't think I saw everything. I'm was about one, to talk about. You've seen there. No, there was one slice movie that I don't think I've seen. Okay. So, this next one, this is the finale, but it's actually a prequel to the first Last Slice, and it was called The Delivery. And it's basically <laughs> the husband from the first movie is a delivery guy, and he delivers pizza to his future wife's house. And when he sees her, he just murders all of her friends and proposes to her with a slice of pizza. And that is the Last Slice trilogy. And she said yes. She did. She did. <laughs> It was beautiful. It truly was beautiful. So that's the last slice trilogy. (laughs) So I'm going to save my most ridiculous story for last. But for this penultimate one, I'm going to jump ahead to a college movie that you all can actually watch online. And that Jordan and I actually worked on together. Oh, man. I wrote a movie called Voices a couple years ago uh, about a telepath that has to spend the night in a seedy hotel. And Jordan scored it. I got so many of my closest friends on board to participate in this movie. And my grandmother is even in this film. So (laughs) we went location scouting, trying to find a motel that fit the scene. And found a couple, got turned down by all of them. And I ended up in a not-so-great part of town. But I finally found one that was perfect. Really looked the part of what I was hoping for. And I was getting sick of being told no, so I just totally stopped asking. So I just rented a regular room for one night, praying that that was all that we needed. I have one of my amazing friends, Daniela, slated to come in earlier with me and do like some production design and make the room sort of feel really seedy and gross and kind of grungy, just to sort of add to the fact that this is kind of a horror movie. Oh my God, if this wasn't the nastiest ass motel room I have ever (laughs) seen in my life. She literally had to do nothing. (laughs) Like, nothing at all. People were afraid to sit on the bed during breaks. It was that bad. <laughs> and um, uh, the, the people in the next room were so very clearly smoking a lot of pot, which is illegal in Virginia, or at least it was. I don't know the status of pot right now. But it was like, we won't tell anyone that you're smoking and having a party if you don't tell anyone that we're making a movie all around this hotel. Because we didn't just shoot in the room. We shot all around the hotel. So, um... Anyway, we finished this movie and I had planned to like stay the night in the motel and then return all the gear that I had rented from my college back to the cage in the morning. And I dropped it off in the morning, but I was like, fuck no. I think it was probably a little past midnight and I was like, I am not staying here by myself, (laughs) especially like when nobody wants to sit on this bed. Yeah, it was it was gross. I got the hell out of there. And you have the nerve to tell me that I'm a criminal for stealing music and you're filming places you're not supposed to. Shame on you. I don't know how illegal it is to shoot in. No, but how many motels before this one said no? Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm genuinely curious if we really broke any um, like full on laws. But was it a yeah. chain motel? Like, was it a 
or was it you like know, an independent? For the life of me, I, I think it was like a days in or something like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was shitty. I mean, there was like paint. <laughs> okay, if I was so surprised, I was like fully ready to see a cockroach. Like I had somebody on standby. One of my friends was like, "Okay, if you see a cockroach, you're gonna be the one to have to kill it because I cannot <laughs> deal with that." So. Okay, anyway, final one. We're wrapping this long-ass take three up. (laughs) This is truly some of the worst filmmaking I have ever done. So I believe that this is like the summer either after high school or the summer of 11th grade. It really doesn't matter. My friend Alex and I came up with this story about two female serial killers that start attacking the members of this friend group. But you see, we didn't finish the script before we started filming. (laughs) So we just came up with these scenes that had nothing tying them together, and we shot them. So anyway, amidst a sea of ridiculous murder scenes, funeral scenes, stalking scenes, we decided it would be a good idea to shoot the killer's hideout. Well, my friend Karen suggested a creepy shack out in the woods by her house. And I think that's how I remember it, at least. Uh, So I led three actors and a four-person crew out into the woods to shoot at this shed. The shoot went well, and we all had fun and got some neat footage. And I wanted to go to Red Robin that night to celebrate it. Except when we all got back to my house, we all discovered that we had ticks. Now, everyone had at least a couple, but Karma got me because I took them out there the worst. I had 18 ticks on my body, and half of them were on my testicles. Yeah. Oh, my God. Safe to say that was, like, the most awkward group dinner we'd ever had. No one would look at me, and I think one of the girls was actually finding more on her while she was at the table. Oh, that's yucky. It was not good. Anyway, this makes me want to make a movie. Like, I truly want to film... (laughs) A, not this story, but Brazy Bear. <laughs> and I know how to do it a lot better now. I went to film school. Like, I, I actually know how to like run a good set or at least be on a good set. You know, I'm not in the best shape right now. But when my spine recovers, someone please out there come make a movie with me. <laughs> I really did not expect to like this movie as much as I did. If you've listened to this, you probably either had the movie spoiled for you or hopefully you've watched the movie and then come and listen to us talk about it. It's a really good movie. It's not the kind of bear that I think either of us were hoping for, but you know, it's still, it's still a great story about a guy and a bear. It's funny when we were first told that this movie existed, like when we first were exposed to this, I remember, so like I knew at least the title and I remember watching a video. It was from that dead meat guy who, um, like reviews horror movies. And, James and does, A. Janice. Yeah, he does like kill counts and stuff. His channel is really, really cool. But he did one on Chucky and he brought up Brigsby Bear. I think I assumed that that meant that Brigsby Bear was a horror movie. I thought it was sort of like a Teddy Ruxpin come to life and like kill people like Chucky. But I'm realizing now that the parallels between those two movies was probably just Mark Hamill. But yeah, I, I was not expecting what I got, but I was pleasantly surprised and I thoroughly enjoyed it as well. So I hope, <laughs> I hope this this uh, sporadic mess of an episode was uh, was up to your standards, Kayleen. I hope you really liked it. <laughs> I think we did good. No, we did. I think we did. And I don't know that I was much. I was much hoping for a murderous bear as like you know like a human bear. I've been fine with that too. But yeah, it great movie, and um, I'm glad that you all stuck with us. Happy season three, bitches. Yes. Indeed. Get ready for a whole lot more content from us because we're coming at you. Coming at you strong. And we got tits. Hey, listeners. Thanks for joining us this week. It definitely feels good to be back. Uh, If you'd like to hear more, you can visit us at take3amp.com or visit our social media at take3amp on all major social media sites. And as always, that is the number three. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love if you gave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as it helps us reach more listeners and lets us know how we're doing. As always, you can reach us at take3amp at gmail.com with any questions, discussions, or even movie recommendations. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening this week, and we'll see you next week.